Now, we started the week uh, with the state capture inquiry, which continued to hog the headlines here in the unedited. Uh, fingers were again pointed at the former President Jacob Zuma, his son Dudizani, and the former cabinet minister Malusi Gagaba during the testimonies of those who took the stand at the state capture inquiry. I spoke to Jovial Rantau, the group ombudsman at the independent media. The state capture and South African politics uh, as it emerges through the Zondo Commission continues to dominate South African uh, news agenda. You know, top of my list is the uh, testimony this week at the state capture uh, commission of inquiry, uh, the revelations by uh, advocate Nwakorama Chodi and uh, Cheryl Carolas, both of them uh, quite senior ANC members, former NEC members. Mr. Ramatodi uh, is the former Premier of Limpopo and the Cabinet Minister who held more than uh, one post in the ANC government. And both of them had, had some damning, damning uh, uh, things to say about the ANC. Uh, I think of all the testimonies that the Zondo Commission has seen so far, uh, Advocate Ramatodi's testimony was quite damning on the role that uh, former President Jacob Zuma played as he uh, explained it to the commission, what the president played, the role that the president played both in the ANC, NEC, and in state capture. And I think if you take that and join it with uh, what Cheryl Carolas uh, later said about the role that she said uh, former Home Affairs Minister Malisi Gigaba played um, at the South African Airways, <clears throat> and the picture begins to emerge for all South Africans about... Uh, what the meaning of state capture is. So that was uh, top of my list, my brother. And then the, the Astina diary uh, and the decision by the NPA to provisionally drop the charges, it ranks up there and also links uh, to, to state capture. I think the big story really was the shock among South Africans on how what seems to be a simple case to Joe Soap uh, seems to be a very difficult one for the National Prosecuting Authority. You know, they have their reasons for withdrawing the case, but I think what South Africans are crying out for is that uh, in throughout all of these unravelings uh, of state capture and where acts of crime have been committed, people are just wanting to see the act, the law, uh, taking its course. You know, the you've got Astina, you've got uh, VBS, and so far we've got not a single soul in court. And that uh, seems to uh, give a message, a wrong message to people that people can get away with crime, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. The third story on my list is the, the appearance in court for former President Jacob Zuma. I mean, he continues as a former head of state in court for corruption and racketeering charges. That's a big story. And then um, something that was also big this week that is not politics, it's football, it's Banyana Banyana and their heroics in Ghana. They've qualified for the World Cup and qualified for the women's AFCON final against Nigeria. And that has elicited quite a nice sentiment across South Africa, generating, amongst others, a debate about um, whether we should be paying our uh, women football heroes as low as we do and whether there should be parity between uh, players who turn out for Fana Bafana and Banyana Banyana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's go back to the top story, and that was state capture. And it seems like we are getting some 
surprised every day by the Zondo Commission. Now, damning evidence uh, being provided uh, there uh, by Advocate uh, Nwako Ramatlodi. Uh, and of course, for the first time, implicating the former president, Jacob Zuma, directly. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, this is the uh, first time in very clear terms where a former uh, NC, NEC member really put the former president at the heart of the allegations of state capture. And um, he put in, in very clear terms, analyzing um, as a political veteran, as a legal um, uh, eagle himself, analyzing what all of these actions uh, mean uh, to the South African democracy and South African nation. I mean, he for instance, looked at the toxic relationship between the former president and the, and the Gupta family, you know, and spoke about how in the NEC and in cabinet, these issues will be raised with the president, you know, and the president will just, you know, fob it off and say, uh, these are my friends, they've helped my children, you know, and they've helped uh, to do son and Edward when, and helped me when no one wanted to touch me and gave a very damning testimony about how the NEC meeting would meet, discuss issues, and when the president summarizes uh, the outcomes, and it would be like he was in another meeting, you know, basically suggesting that the president would come to these meetings with a predetermined outcome and just run rough shows over people, mm-hmm. you know. And also what emerged quite strongly in his testimony is the role played by uh, the son of our former president, to design Zuma in arranging, uh, as a middleman, arranging all these meetings. Um, and he spoke also about what the Waterkloof Air Force Base landing in 2013, uh, when families and relatives of the of the Guptas arrived here and landed at a national key point in the middle of an, uh, of an army base. He spoke about why, you know, uh, why this was wrong and why... Uh, this was an insult to our democracy and, and in, in many ways a threat to, to national security. Marco's uh, testimony was quite damning, um, and, and I think what we should all look forward to is whether or not uh, the president or the son or the, the Guptas, who all have uh, representatives at, at the commission, whether or not they're going to take a chance to, to challenge uh, some of the damning evidence that Makoram uh, Matlodi tabled, which are serious indictment both politically and, and both administratively in terms of how uh, the executive powers of the president were uh, outsourced. Mm-hmm. And then more fingers being pointed at the then Public Enterprises Minister Malusi Gaba by the former South African Airways Board Chair Cheryl Carolas in the decline or the rot that set in at the SAA. The one thing that came through quite poignantly in Cheryl's testimony was the sadness. Sadness in seeing how a, what he described as a rising star within the ANC, uh, Malusi Kikaba, uh, a person that she served with in the leadership structures of the ANC, how um, she watched uh, him do wrong things. You know, and uh, basically, I mean, the big allegation here is the that uh, he lied to or misled the Speaker of Parliament, you know, and that he ran the SAA to the ground and was also played an active role in trying to get that uh, Jobek 
uh, Mumbai route of the SAA handed over to the Guptas, you know. It's, it's quite damning, uh, coming as it does uh, after um, Mr. Kigabas has suffered serious blows to his career, to his uh, in- credibility, which led to his resignation. Linking that with state capture was the Astina Dairy Farm project, and uh, so opposition parties in the Free State have expressed disappointment that the NPA has provisionally dropped the charges against the Gupta family. And then, of course, the, the former president was also uh, in, um, in court this week with the French arms company... Uh, Tales, uh, that has been adjourned until May the 20th next year, so another extension there. Did you link those three stories all together with state capture? Well, um, the, you can link the, the last one with the president's appearance today in as much as um, it really speaks to the conduct and the integrity of the president, or the former president, mm-hmm. I should add. But if, if you remember, uh, the arms deal and uh, and uh, related issues that the president is in court for uh, that had to do mainly with his relationship with the with the Sheikh family and the and arms dealers. You know, um, was that a beginning of or some form of state capture uh, involving another family? We don't know because that relationship ended as it did uh, a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then some good news story, Banyana Banyana. Now everybody thought that this was an incredible story, especially for the girls making it that far and, uh, of course, uh, going uh, that far in, in the competition. Uh, but there's more to be said about this because there's, there's some outcry about the amount of money that they earn in, com- in comparison to their, their male counterparts. I think the, the first beautiful thing we should reflect on for one second is really the beautiful patriotic feeling that their progress and victory in Ghana is given to South Africans. Mm. You know, uh, having to deal with all this depressing uh, stuff and developments that come out of the Zondo Commission and elsewhere, it is quite a good thing uh, for South Africans to have something to cheer about. And the Banyana Banyana victory was quite something. First, it, it speaks to the progress that uh, SAFA has made in developing women's soccer. It speaks to the individual talents of all the players who represent all of us uh, in, in Ghana and who will represent all of us at the World Cup. It, 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 it speaks to the talent and vision of Desiree Ellis, who is now the coach. That is the good story. you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, it must lead to whether or not we are treating uh, female sports stars as well as we treat our male sports stars. It's a big debate. It's not only restricted to Banyana Banyana and Bafana Bafana, not only restricted to, to South Africa. It's all over. Let's take a look at the week ahead before we get too excited here. <laughs> well, I think, uh, uh, Elvis, there is absolutely nothing wrong in getting excited about such an amazing <laughs> achievement by uh, our women, you know? So I think if we start where we, we've left off, I think no matter what what happens, um, their preparation for the World Cup and this debate around their remuneration is going to continue. The Zondo Commission continues. It's going to continue to be a big story. And then um, also a, a story that we didn't get time to look at is what happened in the tit-for-tit war between uh, Tom Moyani, the former SARS commissioner, and, and the president. Yes. That is also bubbling away on, on the side there. The president is digging in. So we'll be waiting to look at, um, at that. And then also I think next week we'll also, as a nation, get a time to reflect on National AIDS Day and, and look at how far we've come and what the challenges uh, remain.
That was Jovial Rontau, the group ombudsman at the Independent Media, giving us his take on the top stories for the week that was and the week ahead. What is your top stories for the week ahead or the week that was? Let's hear it from Sig in Randberg. A very good morning to you, Sig. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much, Elvis. Elvis, I think it's high time that black people stand up against those who give black people a bad name. Black leaders who who give pe- black people a bad name by by denouncing media, by as physically and verbally assaulting both physically and verbally, Shivambu and uh, Julius Malema have assaulted um, uh, the foremost. Uh, uh, leaders of the media in our country. Uh, they even assaulted uh, Jonah Fisher, uh, one of the most respected, worldwide respected mm-hmm. um, uh, people uh, uh, from the BBC. Uh, when he uh, uh, he was chased out and humiliated in a press interview by Julius Malema in in the Tuli House, which is the headquarters of the ANC, and this thing is going on and on forever. And these guys are threatening to cut the throat of the white man and 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 yes. warning the white man that mm-hmm. bloodshed is going to come. And they're getting away with it. Have they ever been uh, even fined? No, yes. it is people. Uh, Innocent fools who have no influence in the country, who right. aren't headlined so, by the media so every day. Un- unfortunately, we don't have much time there, Sig, but thank you so much for your call. Mike, you in Durban, very briefly. Uh, Ernest, yeah, two things. Uh, first of all, the podcast with ESCOM. Uh, you know, I live in Newlands here, and we're surrounded by ANC MPs in their massive Oh, houses. it's Mike in Newlands. Sorry about that. It is. It's uh, no problem. And, uh, yeah, we had our first power outage here, which is very strange. That uh, Things must be bad. There's a story developing up in Joburg, apparently, and uh, Indian-based pharmaceutical companies refusing to come to South Africa because they can't buy their own land. They don't want it expropriated, and the staff uh, have a medical aid private, and that's uh, befalling away. So they were going to give us 450 jobs, apparently, but uh, they're refusing to come here now because they don't want to use Dr. Mozzoletti's hospitals. And who can blame them? And even our vice president, David Mabuza, goes to Russia for his medical treatment. And then finally, the Zondo Commission, uh, watching Jimmy Munya dig a hole and getting deeper and deeper, his eyes getting bigger and bigger as he's trying to explain why $6 billion, I think it was, into the new age and 147000 or something to the start. Just shocking his flexion yeah. of how things are. And then going forward, Elvis, I want to find out what happened to Tepisa Mukweta. She just vanished. And uh, I'm worried about you. Um, we're going to put a tracker on you, and you're going to go beep, beep, beep. And when you stop beeping, the list of the gun looking for you. Because I don't know where everybody disappears to at this <laughs> ABC. All right, Thank Mike. You, All right, Mike in Newlands. Mike uh, in uh, Durban, good morning to you. Oh, Mike in Durban is not there. All right. Okay, fantastic. That's uh, our calls for this morning. You can still do so at 6.52. I want to know what's your top stories for the week that was and the week ahead. Now, to continue with the discussion on the top stories for the week that was and the week ahead, we joined on the line by Sunhouse Executive Director, Kate Skinner. Very good morning to you, Kate, and welcome. Hello. Now, first and foremost, before we get to the meaty part of this conversation, let's first start off with your top stories for the week that was. So, 
I think that, yeah, I mean, in fact, quite a lot of media stories. So I would say that, um, you know, that definitely the Jimmy Manier story um, or Mazwan Lele um, Manier story, um, looking at kind of the GCIS spend was, was important. Um, also, I think one of the big issues was, in fact, um, this inquiry um, into equal education um, and the way that the Mail and Guardian was, was, was covering, um, you know, the issues of, of sexual harassment. Um, you know, at um, equal education. So I think that was was important. Um, and then, you know, for me, the, the you know, obviously the big stories around around the EFS um, and and how they've been treating journalists. Um, you know, and the fact that they have been singling out particular journalists. So those would be some of the the big ones that I've been looking at. Now, starting with that story, because that's our focus story this morning. Um, you, the South African National Editors Forum, says that it's still calling for a fair and open conversation with the economic freedom fighters after the party said that it's too busy to meet with you uh, due to uh, their tight schedule in the run-up to next year's election. Now, this follows uh, the EFF leaders, Julius Malema's call to his supporters to deal decisively with journalists while naming certain journalists as well. Looking at this particular story, it's a very worrying trend. Now, his gripe stems from the media uh, perhaps having, he says, a perception that certain members of the media are championing the agendas of public Enterprise Minister Pravin Gordon, as well as the President Sol Ramposa. Uh, does he have a point? Well, look, I mean, the issue is that, you know, what I think is quite interesting is that if you look across the media landscape, um, there are a number of different voices and different stories. But, um, you know, if you look at particular media outlets, um, you know, he's, he's claiming that, you know, um, Minister Pravin Gordon has, has had a kind of easy time. So, so the issue there is that if he feels that that is in fact the case, there are particular mechanisms that he needs to, um, you know, or, or particular processes rather that he needs to follow. So, so for instance, he can engage with the editors. Um, he can, um, you know, go to the press council. He can go to BCCSA. I mean, there are lots of, of, of different processes that he can follow. But what he decided to do instead, which I think is very dangerous, is he's decided to, to say, look, there's, there's this bias, and then he's picked out particular journalists and, and named and shamed particular individual journalists. Um, and for, for Sanif, why we're very worried about that is that those journalists are then trolled on social media um, and, and, in fact, also um, in the real world. Um, and for us, that really has a very chilling effect on, on freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. Now, you're calling for a fair and open conversation with the EFF. Why do you want to meet with them then? I mean, obviously, as a political party, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we've got to be, to be covering them. We've, we've got to be um, looking at what they're saying and analyzing their policies. And particularly, of course, in, in, in the, I mean, the elections are coming up in 2019, some of the most, you know, one of the most important elections that I think we're going to have post-apartheid. So, so that was why our starting point was, can we meet with the EFF? Can we explain the issues around safety of journalists? And the direct implications in terms of freedom of expression. Um, so that was our starting point. But of course, we were rebuffed. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, to indicate to them what channels they should utilize and not public, uh, public speeches that uh, uh, incite violence against journalists. 
Precisely. And I think also what we've, what we've picked up um, is that there is actually um, lack of information around the fact that there are all these different channels that are open, um, you know, such as the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Um, you know, in fact, ACASA, our regulator, has got a triple C committee, um, which is a complaints committee. Um, and, of course, there's also the, the, the press council. And you're absolutely right. It seems that a lot of people are not aware of, 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 of these particular channels. Uh, the EFF, of course, should be aware of these channels. Uh, but we just wanted to make it absolutely clear that if you're unhappy, and that's not to say that the media, you know, is about criticism. Of course, they're not about criticism. But there are proper channels to go to that don't actually, uh, you know, put the, put the lie, literally put the lives of certain journalists at risk. Dr. Skinner, I would have loved to uh, uh, delve into the Jimmy Manye story, the Mzwanele Manye story at the Zonda Commission. But in 30 seconds, your take on that. You know, in fact, what happened is that that he put forward this view that you know that that the problem is with white monopoly capital, etc. That you know this was was a particular you know putting money into new age was 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 counter that. But unfortunately, I think that you know at the end of the commission, he he didn't didn't make that point particularly strongly because it seemed that you know for instance the SABC and other uh, big media houses were actually getting very little money, and when you look at, at, at New Age, it was getting quite excessive amounts of money. So, unfortunately for him, he didn't manage to put across his, his point of view particularly strongly. Um, he, he was defeated in the end, I would say. The week ahead, what are you looking at? So, I'm very interested, uh, because of my kind of particular media bias, um, but I'm very interested and very worried to look at what is going to be happening in terms of the SABC. Um, and the issues around around the retrenchments and the kind of uh, battles I think that we're going to get into in terms of the minister's kind of you know take on that um, and the SABC and and just seeing what's going to happen and what's going to you know come out from that because the SABC is our most important media institution and we have to make sure that it it, it functions. I thank you so much for your time. That was uh, Dr. Kate Skinner, SunF's executive director.